BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I think we've made it pretty clear over the years through books, tours, and other episodes of this special podcast that Alton is a town filled with mysteries. Some of those mysteries we share with other parts of the country. You see, Alton is a town with an inordinate number of what have been called ladies in black. Stories of these spectral creatures have been with us for more than two centuries and have appeared in towns and villages across the country, not just in Alton. Many times these unnerving specters have a message to deliver the living, a warning that something terrible is going to happen. Like the Banshee of Ireland and Scotland, they warn of approaching death, disaster, or doom. They usually stay for a short time at a place where a tragedy often occurs and then they are never seen again. Others though linger much longer. In the 1890s, there were frequent reports in Chicago of a lady in black appearing near a deadly railroad crossing. For more than 50 years, a lady in black appeared in the coal mining community of Carbondale, Pennsylvania, and predicted several mining disasters and even a cholera epidemic. A lady in black in New Jersey appeared just before a deadly fire. And the list goes on. The story of Alton's most famous lady in black has been part of our folklore for decades. It's a story that many dismiss as just a legend of a woman who appeared on Powder Mill Road near the Olin plant just before a disaster occurred. It can't be real, they say, and yet for many years, workers at the Black Powder Manufacturing Company took the story so seriously that many of the workers vowed to, quote, shoot the woman on sight if they ever spotted her. Her first appearance came in 1917, just before an explosion occurred at the factory, and each time she appeared, death followed. But we won't tell you the story of the Olin Lady in Black here. You can find it in a past episode if you'd like to track down our live show from the Dead of Winter event in Alton in February 2023. In this episode, I want to introduce you to Alton's other Ladies in Black whose reason for remaining behind may not be quite as charitable as the one who warned factory workers of possible death in the early part of the 20th century. Welcome to a special On The Side podcast from American Hauntings, the podcast dedicated to bringing you the history, hauntings, legends, lore, and the dark side of our hometown, Alton, Illinois. 
We've returned home to Alton for a special limited season of shows that takes us back to the very beginning of the podcast. We've got updates and lots of new stories to go along with season one of American Hauntings, which dealt into the history and hauntings of Alton. We're trying to make up for the bad sound from season one and the fact that I didn't have all the stories from Alton's history that I have today. I gathered that research over the last few years and released a brand new edition of my book, Haunted Alton. We wanted to bring some of those new stories to our listeners. So we hope you enjoy episode seven from one of the most haunted small towns in America, Alton, Illinois. On the night of June 19, 1902, a newly married young woman of only 20 named Minnie Nichols committed suicide in the home of her brother-in-law on Bluff Street in Alton. But Minnie would not quietly leave this world. Within weeks, her widowed husband, her brother-in-law, and the rest of his family were driven from the house by her ghost. They never returned, and some say Minnie's spirit still walks today, wearing a black mourning dress, unable to rest. And perhaps that's for good reason. You see, it was in that house where Minnie was driven into an early grave. Lewis Milton Nichols grew up in Alton. He was a hard worker and had already held many jobs in his short life, but he didn't switch jobs because he wanted to. He did so because he kept getting fired for coming to work drunk. But he was handsome and charming, and when he met Minnie Englehart in 1901, she fell for his dashing good looks and sharp wit. It wasn't long before Lewis convinced her to marry him. But married life didn't turn out the way many thought it would. She'd grown up in the small town of Brighton. Her father, Herman, was well-known and liked in the community, and her parents' marriage had been happy and loving, filled with laughter and children. That's the kind of marriage she'd always dreamed of. But it wasn't what she got with Lewis. Her new husband was lazy and indifferent. He had trouble keeping jobs, and what little money he had was spent on booze and, to many shock, other women. Within weeks after the wedding, they were kicked out of the rental house where they'd been living because Lewis didn't have the money to pay the landlord. With nowhere else to go, well, nowhere free anyway, they moved into the home of Lewis's brother, Fred. The only available space for them was in a cramped back bedroom in the house. Fred had a wife and five children, so things were tight. Not long after moving into the house on Bluff Street, Minnie became deeply depressed. Faced with another failure, Lewis's drinking got worse. He often came home angry and abusive, and one night he'd beaten her with his fists. Minnie cried out for help, but Fred and his wife, well, they didn't want to get involved. She still had bruises on her face and body when she went into a local drugstore and bought a bottle of carbolic acid on the afternoon of June 19th. Later that night, while Lewis was out drinking with friends or carousing with another woman, Minnie curled up on the narrow bed in that dingy bedroom and swallowed three large spoonfuls of poison. It seared her mouth and throat, and she must have been in agonizing pain when her body pitched off the bed and fell onto the floor. Blisters formed around her mouth, and she coughed up blood. Within a few minutes, she was dead. Fred and his wife must have heard Minnie fall to the floor. Since Lewis wasn't there, they decided to check on her this time. When they discovered her body twisted in pain and blood puddled beneath her head on the floor, they immediately called Dr. J. N. Schaff, but she was dead when he arrived. Fred and his wife told the doctor that Minnie had suffered from spells of depression, despondency, and melancholia. 
Fred said that he knew there were, quote, domestic issues within his brother's marriage, but there was nothing he could do. It was none of his business, he said. An inquest was held the following day. A jury impaneled by Deputy Coroner Streeper stated that many had committed suicide because of abuse and domestic issues. Her father, Herman, traveled to Alton from Brighton to take many to be buried at home. She was laid to rest in the Brighton City Cemetery, although no tombstone was placed to mark her burial spot. But it didn't matter. Many didn't stay in the grave for long. In a household filled with five young children, it's possible that the haunting began much sooner than when the story made it into the newspaper, but no one noticed with all the commotion. However, we do know that by July 10th, 1902, the Nichols family realized that many was back. Late that night, they ran screaming out of their home, waking the neighbors on both sides. They were visibly shaking and crying, and the children wailed in terror. Fred told the neighbors that the place was haunted. Minnie was in the house, returned from the grave, and dressed all in black. They were so frightened that night that they refused to go back inside. Perhaps Fred should have made the abuse Minnie suffered at his brother's hands his business after all. Neighbors called the police, although the officers arriving at the scene had little idea what to do with an unruly spirit. They took a quick look around the house, but found nothing amiss. They shrugged and suggested the family find another place to spend the night. Perhaps it would be better tomorrow. It wasn't, and it never got any better. The Nichols family moved out of the house and never returned. What became of the house after that is unknown. It still exists, and there are stories to say it's still haunted, but who knows? Maybe many finished the business she had with Fred and his family, the people who should have protected her but didn't. But you have to wonder why many chose her in-law's house to make herself known and why she didn't bedevil the husband who essentially drove her to commit suicide. No one knows that either. Lewis wasn't hard to find because he never left Alton. He remarried and went to work as a machinist at the Western Cartridge Company in East Alton. He died at the age of 70 in 1946. Oddly, though, Lewis quit drinking and lived an upstanding life after that. Maybe Minnie didn't need to haunt him. Maybe her actual death had haunted him into changing his life more than her ghost ever could. The old brick house at 1800 State Street in Alton was once an inn known as the Mile House. Its name turned out to be pretty self-explanatory. It was exactly one mile from the stagecoach stop located at the end to the one at the Franklin House downtown. Over the years, the inn played host to hundreds of weary travelers who were making their way to Alton or preparing to cross the river for points to the west. It was from among those visitors to the area that the ghost story connected to the house began. According to the legend, two sisters stayed at the Mile House for several months in the early 1860s. Both were married to soldiers who were stationed at the Alton Penitentiary during the Civil War. As part of the troops that provided security for the Confederate prisoner of war camp, the men were able to visit their wives whenever they had leave from duty. But here's where things get foggy. There are no details about how or why it happened, but one of the sisters met her untimely death during this time. The stories say that it was at the hands of her husband. Apparently, though, she, or perhaps her sister, never left the Mile House. 
Depending on the teller, the story claims that either the sister who died or the sister who mourned her death began haunting the house. She was always seen wearing a black mourning dress and a heavy veil that hid her face. She walked slowly back and forth on the second floor of the house where she was often seen and her footsteps were heard even when she didn't make an appearance. She also earned a reputation for venturing out of the house and wandering the neighborhood near State Street. Usually in the early evening, people who lived nearby would catch a glimpse of her, but whenever they approached her, she always disappeared. A former owner of the house said that when she moved in back in 1948, an older man who worked on her furnace told her about the haunting. He said locals had told the story since he was a little boy. He'd even seen the ghost himself a few times over the years. The owner of the house said she often heard loud knocks on her front door during the time she lived there, but no one was ever at the door. The identity of the lady in black was a mystery. Was she the young woman murdered by her husband or was she the slain woman's sister, mourning her loss for all eternity? Well, no one knows. And does she still walk the neighborhood around State and McPherson streets in Alton? Well, if you see a woman in an old fashioned black dress wandering the street near that corner someday, you'll know she's still around. But if you see her, try not to get too close. If you do, she's only going to vanish. In September 1913, a strange thing started to happen at Oak Grove Cemetery in nearby Jerseyville. Each night near midnight, a woman in a black morning dress and veil began walking through the graveyard, singing softly to herself. She never stopped near any grave in particular. She simply wandered about for 10 or 15 minutes and then she vanished. Was she a ghost or a living woman? Well, no one ever discovered, but she always left the cemetery unseen as if she had simply disappeared. There's nothing to suggest who saw her first, but within a few days, scores of people were turning up at the graveyard at night to try and see her, and they were never disappointed. The mysterious woman returned each night for almost two weeks, walking among the graves, crooning softly, and then disappearing. Her identity was never learned, and then came a night when she failed to appear, and she simply never came back. And was it because she'd gone to Alton? Around this same time, a ghostly woman in black began making appearances at the Alton City Cemetery, although she confined herself to wandering in the Grandview Public Mausoleum. This rather intimidating old building still exists today, although it's no longer open to the public. The stories of the woman in black persist, though, still claiming that a woman in a long black dress that looks like a 19th century morning outfit has been seen walking down the hallways during services and internments that have taken place there. An equally mysterious woman in black created a stir in Wood River in the fall of 1914. Like the other eerie figures, she was dressed all in black with her face covered by a heavy veil. She was spotted for nearly a week every night around midnight, standing on the corner next to the Wood River School. It was suggested she was waiting for someone who never came. And when that person failed to appear, the woman left as inexplicably as she arrived. Well, the story spread rapidly through town, frightening children and their parents who feared the strange figure's proximity to the school. Many insisted it was just a rumor, a practical joke, concocted by parents who wanted to scare their children into getting home before the curfew bell rang at night. There was no actual woman, they said. She was just a local boogeyman. But then more and more people started to see her. 
One night, a group of young men waited in hiding for the woman to appear and spotted her on the corner. They tried to get close to her and learn her identity, but they couldn't. They swore she simply disappeared. More sightings followed, and even though skeptics suggested she was nothing more than a woman trying to get home at a late hour from the interurban railroad car, others swore there was something otherworldly about her. After seeing her lurking on that corner and vanishing into the night, more and more of the skeptics turned into believers. But was there actually anything to fear? According to town marshal J.T. Phipps, he had also seen the lady in black. He waited at the corner one night and saw her arrive. When she left, though, he followed her home. He admitted to feeling a twinge of fear when he did so, convincing himself she was leading him to a lonely graveyard or some other fearsome place. Instead, though, she went to an ordinary house. And that's all he would say. When questioned, he revealed nothing at all about the lady in black other than to say no one should worry about her anymore. Soon after, whoever or whatever she was, she stopped appearing on that street corner and the mysterious sightings came to an end. I'll leave you with one last story, although you can decide on the authenticity of this one for yourself. I will say though, it is the weirdest one of all. Although the ghostly phenomenon that wreaked havoc in Upper Alton in 1901 wasn't a lady in black, it was black. I doubt if it had any connection to a wandering woman, but what people were calling the phantom buggy was also black in color. So we're gonna go with it. In early May 1901, residents of Upper Alton began spotting an ominous looking horse and buggy creeping about on the streets in their part of town. This shouldn't have been strange, that was the preferred method of transportation at the time. But this horse and buggy was odd, mostly because it traveled without making any noise. It began appearing in the evenings, gliding silently past homes and businesses. Those who saw it claimed there were two shadowy figures seated inside the buggy, but they never spoke nor moved. The top of the buggy had been pulled close, so the faces of the passengers were never seen. The buggy was seen dozens of times that spring, but perhaps the most reliable witness was a professor from Shirtliff College in Upper Alton, whose name wasn't given in the newspaper story about the buggy. He reported he was returning home from a faculty meeting one night and glanced back over his shoulder to see that eerie buggy was following him down the street. The professor said that he stopped and turned around, planning to call out and challenge whoever was driving it, but then he said, the awful stillness of it appalled me, and I fled in terror. When asked for an explanation for the phantom buggy, he suggested that the carriage, its passengers, and the horse were the ghosts of men and horses whose lives had been lost in the mud on College Avenue over the last two winters. With his tongue planted firmly in his cheek and apparently well recovered from his recent scare, he added, only the paving of that street will soothe these unhappy spirits. And the stories of the Phantom Buggy of Upper Alton disappeared over time. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language? 
And I don't mean like spells or incantations to trap spirits, you weirdos. I mean like a new language that could help you start communicating with more people on this plane today. Then I need to tell you about Rosetta Stone. Look, you know the brand, you know the name. They have the expertise and a 30-year legacy, which makes them more qualified than ever to help you learn a new language today. They've helped millions of people build the fluency and confidence to speak new languages. Now, this is the part where Troy would tell me that I made some kind of grammatical error, but he's not here right now, so like, I don't know, it's like speaking tongues. Rosetta Stone focuses on speaking practice for real-life scenarios to get you ready for real conversations with real people. Or maybe you can even learn how to use some different types of Ouija boards. I don't know. Either way, Rosetta Stone can help you learn faster and retain your new language better. Honestly, Rosetta Stone really would have come in handy for season four of New Orleans because I know we butchered some of those French names and I apologize once again. Now you all know I have a nine to five job when I'm not at the podcast factory and Rosetta Stone actually helped me not make a total fool out of myself while I was in Brazil interviewing celebrities. Obrigado. And now I want to help you. So don't put off learning that new language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, American Hauntings podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. Rosetta Stone, how language is learned. Wait, by the way, Troy, like where do words come from? Hey, no, don't, 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 don't walk away. Oh, Troy, where do words Okay, you know what? Then we'll be we, set. Yeah. We got this figured. We're worried about something else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay. All right. Uh, thanks for returning with us to Alton, Illinois, for a special series of podcasts from American Hauntings. We're taking a trip back in time, sort of, to the first season of the show, which collected some of the most famous stories from one of the most haunted small towns in America. But now we're back in Alton for more. Thanks to a lot of new research and Troy's new edition of Haunted Alton, we've got old stories with updates and new stories that are finally seeing the light of day. And by the way, I'm your co-host, Cody Beck, and with me is my co-host, author, historian, crime buff, and the founder of American Hauntings, Troy Taylor. Hey. Yo. Yeah, this, <sighs> was, uh, this was a fun one. So oh, I'm actually, excited. I'm I think excited. I've had fun with all of these. Yeah, we did. We yeah, did. All of these Alton ones. They have been pretty fun. All the Alton ones were good. And we had a, a, fu a fun um, uh, season seven episode. <laughs> yeah, recorded today. yeah, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is this is all good. So I'm just going to come right out and say it. OK, so Alton's Ladies in Black. That's kind of been my weakness since I was like eight years old. <laughs> oh, right. And, you know, and so through your emo phase, yeah, you know, so, everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, it's not yeah. a phase, mom. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a lifestyle. man. It's well, not a phase. I always say, well, I always say, like, I live in Creve Corps now. Now it's Broken Heart, Missouri, you know, and I'm like, that's the perfect place <laughs> yeah. for an emo kid that grew that up is to, true. to go. Uh, you've got a I, point. So. I don't know if I ever mentioned this, but I was like, if I ever write like a memoir, I had like a, a section on relationships and things, I, I would call it uh, Medusa, Mermaids and Other Women I'd Let Kill Me. Oh, yeah, that's it, pretty yeah. good. Actually. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that. 
Yeah, oh, good one. Good um, one. Well, the story of Alton's most famous lady in black uh, has been part of our folklore for decades. It's a story that many dismiss as just a legend of a woman who appeared on Powder Mill Road uh, near the Olin plant just before disaster occurred. And we talked about this. On yeah, a previous... we did a full episode. Um, yeah. yeah, for a dead of winter. So that's why I didn't include it in this episode. I mean, it's yeah. our most famous one and it would have you know, doubled the size of this episode, but we've already covered it. Yes. So, so go you check know, that I figured out. that, yeah, we could send people that direction and um, cover some other stuff that we hadn't covered before because none yeah. of these other stories have ever been on the podcast. Yeah. So. And I, I, I think I've, we've maybe talked about some of them. Um, off, uh, no, off podcast. actually no, none nothing, of these have nothing. been in podcasts or, and none of these stories only like one or two were even mentioned uh, in previous editions of the book, even. Oh, I didn't know if They're you and I talked about them. I didn't no. know if you and I ever talked about them. Oh, we, you and I might have. That, yeah, you I and mean. I might yeah. have. Okay, gotcha. But yeah, so you're yeah. going to hear, but you're going to hear some new stuff. I learned a lot yeah. of new things today, and um, <laughs> I'm excited. So, June 19th, 1902, 20 year old Minnie Nichols commits suicide on Bluff Street, and within weeks, her family is driven from the house by yeah. her. Ghost. I really love this story. Um, it's, I, 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 it's I mean, tragic. it's horrible. Don't <laughs> yeah, get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. But okay. So wait, okay. Let me rephrase. Um, this is a terribly awful, sad story, but it was, um, I, I enjoyed working on it. There you go. Tell, <laughs> I enjoyed telling her tale. How's yes. That, that uh, perfect. Perfect. Right. I think that's great. Yeah. So her new husband, Lewis is a drunk and their marriage really sucked. I um, he's abusive. He's like his, a bro. He's like yeah. a bro. You know, the, it was saying out downtown, kind mm-hmm. of, you know. Yeah, you can say every still Saturday night, you know, he's, you know, you can still find him Cajun, in. you know. So well, anyway, I, I sorry, was, none of those things existed then. I am <laughs> filling that up to today. So if um I was gonna say, like his brother doesn't want to get involved, I would tell you if my brother hit his wife, I'd drown yeah. him in shallow water. I know, right? Well, like, you know what? It was a different time though. Yeah, and we have had this in how many podcasts that we have done. So I don't want to get involved. You know, oh, I don't want to get in anybody's business. That's how. And you know what? Unfortunately, there are a lot of people still like that today. This story could be told today. Mm -hmm. It really could. You know, that's the sad thing about this entire thing is that tells you how little times really have changed because I could see this happening now. And and some. Yeah. Sometimes, you know. You shouldn't get involved, but there are a lot of times when, sorry, the situation sucks, but you yeah. need to step up. You got to get involved and yeah. fucking do something. Well, she got her payback. So I, I know, I know. It just sucks that what how it had to go down. But she, drinks, mm-hmm. do you know what poison she drank? Carbolic acid. <sighs> that was a very popular. I know. I have. I have written. I can think of at least three other suicides I've written about where people because it was easy to buy. Um, carbolic acid was, um, pretty easy to buy at the drugstore. And I can think of three other cases where people drank it and it is a horrible, horrible death. That's what I it mean, sounds it, like. It, it eats out your, the, the, your throat, your stomach lining, you know, blisters all over your face and you're bleeding. And I don't think, I don't think it's as quick as people must've thought that it was when uh-huh. they took it, you know, but every one every case that I've ever written about, in fact, we did one for um a dead of winter a few years ago um mm-hmm. do you remember the girl who um had the boyfriend who went away to college and he broke up with her and then they found her body out in the woods and oh yeah yeah, thought yeah. That he murdered her yeah she drank carbolic acid 
And then they used to see her ghost on the side of the road and Uh people would describe her as having like her face all eaten up. Yeah. Yeah. What's the same kind of deal? What's its proper use? Do you know? Like that's a good, it's like a, it's used for like cleaning instruments and things. Yeah. It's that kind of stuff. It's like, um, uh, shoot. I can't think of the right word. Um, like you would use to sterilize equipment or uh-huh, something. Uh-huh, it's okay. that kind of stuff. Wow. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, was, is not, not for internal or external <laughs> use on the human yeah. body. So uh, either yeah. one. So. Yeah. Now, nowadays I just use Coca-Cola and just, you know, burn <laughs> yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah. You could dissolve whatever you need to. Yeah. yeah. And I know I could have Googled this, but yeah, I wanted to ask you that. Another <laughs> thing I could have Googled, but what is despondency? Oh, they, they said that she died from uh, being depressed. Okay, depression. Okay. Uh, melan. Oh, well, melancholia. I mentioned that too. Those were those were all pretty much the same thing. Uh, many had uh, the, his wife. They told this is what the newspaper said mm-hmm. that that Fred and his wife told the doctor that she'd suffered from spells of depression, despondency, and melancholia. It, they're all the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, it's like, um, yeah. Let's let's drive that point home. She was super <laughs> depressed. So, Jeez. Which, for uh, understandably, yeah, you know, yeah. You know, she got hooked up with this, you know, loser that she had no idea you know, was going to be quite that bad, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and then he starts beating the shit out of her. And, you know, that's, that's depressing. Yeah. 20 year old girl. Of course. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And eventually she gets her revenge and uh, sends the family (laughs) back and Yeah. um, And you said Lewis cleans up his life after that, which I'm glad. Yeah. That's the, gets yeah, over that's stuff. the weird also, thing so i dug also, into that him. guy yeah i know i wanted to find out what happened to him there had to be more to the story and i eventually found him and he you know went to work at at, at ironically went to work at the home of the other lady in black uh at, oh. at olin so mm-hmm. he went to work for the western cartridge company and um you know lived to be you know 70 which isn't old but you know, he he cleaned himself up and became an upstanding citizen. I think it. Yeah, I think that this must have been the uh, the, the wake the, up call, the wake up call he needed. So, yeah, not yes. the one that Fred and his family got. Uh-huh. Their wake up call was a much different one. Yes. Uh, well, you mentioned also um, Olin. So I did. We talked about the other day uh, off air, but yeah, the Olin Mansion up for sale. Yeah. I went yeah. through all those pictures and stuff, uh-huh. and it's it had more bathrooms than bedrooms. I know. Like, Isn't that insane? It's just yeah. re- I can barely. Keep, I don't even keep two <laughs> bathrooms clean. I only keep one clean. You know, that's ridiculous. You had that, that house. You wouldn't have to clean any of them. Though. That's that's You'd a have very, somebody to do that. That's too. a very good point. Yeah. What am What am I thinking? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So the Mile House. So eighteen hundred State Street. Um. It's an inn. One. Mile from the Franklin House downtown. So there are two sisters that are married to soldiers. One of them ends up dying, and one of them begins haunting the house. You're not really sure if it's the one that yeah. died or the well, one that's Well, it's mourning. hard to say because the story is one of those stories that's been around for a long time. And, you know, it's it's when you tell and retell these stories in neighborhoods and things, they, yeah. everything gets a little jumbled. So, I mean, those are the both versions of the story that I'd heard. So, I just I don't know which one it is. Yep. But nope. Fair apparently enough. it's one of them. That's what they say. So. And multiple people see her, which keeps vanishing. Um, I was also thinking in my younger days, I've definitely stumbled around McPherson Street, and I'm so I don't know if I'm glad <laughs> or upset that I never ran. Well, into what's it. funny? It's funny is if you're driving down State Street, it's so obvious which house it is because oh, really? it, it looks it is so much older than everything around it. Okay, you can then, see I, then I know that at one time about. it was sitting there by itself. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And yep. so 
it's just it's got that look to it it's an old house from like the 1840s and you can just tell the difference even though it's been painted and modernized and everything it's interesting to see it because i was looking for it one day i'm like i know i've driven by this house a thousand times and sure enough there it was and i'm like oh how did i miss this oh yeah you know? i'm checking it out right now <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, if i know exactly where yeah, this is exactly yeah because it's across from this place that it used to be a lawnmower repair shop that is now i believe Nikki g's a uh, pizza place yeah, which i, I don't think try. it's open anymore oh, i know man. i wanted to go there i wanted to try it but i think it's closed oh, I, I, you hate to see a good pizza place i know, go under, you know? well we don't know if it was good or not did you that's, have it no yeah, i didn't we don't know so well you hate to see a pizza place you know any pizza place i agree with that so yeah um oak gross cemetery so september 1913 a woman in black uh, morning dress and veil began walking through the graveyard singing to herself so much that people would kept showing up to see and they were not disappointed disappears from there a similar woman starts appearing in alton city cemetery same thing happens in wood river i i love the stories i love to think it's just a woman or a group of women that are just <laughs> trying to like express themselves yeah, put and put together with people. a plan and just started you know uh and yeah. started hanging out in different towns just to screw with people yeah well the thing was though back then the newspapers would cover this stuff i mean where do you think i got all these stories? right 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 i mean the newspaper would cover this stuff and just wait because when we get to uh in not the next episode but the episode after mm -hmm. when we get to our cemetery episode mm -hmm. yeah uh there's one that's never been in any of the books before oh beautiful. that is coming and um i'm gonna blame everything that happens on the newspaper okay and you will you will like the story i Hell promise yeah. um but yeah so people would cover it and they'd see it pop up i mean everybody read the paper it's mm -hmm. not like you're gonna sit around and watch the news you right. listen to the radio back then so you read the newspaper and when you hear that there was a woman in black wandering around singing in the cemetery well how you want to go check that out of course you, do. you know so off you go and you know the story then gets bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more people come and you know, nobody knows who she was. She was just there one day and then she was gone. Same way with this woman in Wood River. The yeah. marshal's the one who finally followed her home. And we still don't know what happened. He would never say. He wouldn't yeah. tell anybody what happened. He just said, yeah, she won't be back. And mm -hmm. she wasn't. So, you know, oh, that's hard amazing. to say. I'm going to say that was probably a real life woman. Yeah, yeah. The stories about her disappearing and stuff. Uh, probably, and like the woman in, in Oak Grove I, in Jerseyville. I'm thinking... Those were probably just real women, but odd ones. Yeah. And it got people's attention and it gave people something to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. It's it's fun. You know, I mean, I don't know if kids still do this stuff. I assume they do. But back when I was in high school, you know, anybody who knew about a haunted place or a ghost story or something, they tell me about it. Everybody knew I love that kind of stuff. And off we'd go on the weekend. Mm -hmm. A bunch of us would head out there to check out this cemetery or that cemetery or this empty house or whatever and i mean this is kind of the you know that was the 1980s version of what these people are doing you know with the lady in black and i don't know if people still do that stuff or not you know no they, I'll uh, I, mean, I mean that I was assume kind of, they do but i just don't know it was part of the part of the premise for the podcast like i said i won't incriminate myself but yeah we found our way into a couple different sure. places and exactly. all and so yeah so, so i was curious going on yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's how stories like the, you know, the seven gates to hell, you know, mm -hmm. go down mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, so yeah. we've done all that yeah. started, you know, yep. that's how it, that's how it happens. So yeah, it's, um, I like that. I, I like that stuff. You know, I always, it's a, I think they started calling it legend tripping. 
I think. Oh, okay. Called. Interesting. Yeah, which is a cool name. I don't know who came up with it. I would happily credit them if I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I think that's what they started calling that kind of thing. And back then we just called it Fridays. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, you know, that's what we did. So. <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah. Okay. This last story, the phantom buggy. So May yeah. 1901, an ominous looking horse and buggy keeps creeping around Alton. It travels without making any noise, which is mm-hmm. part of the creepy stuff. Right. Um, a professor even sees it, said it could be the ghost of the men and horses have been lost yeah. in the mud on. And College that's Avenue. where the story lost me. Yeah, it got to that part. So all these people claim, well, the newspaper claimed that a lot of people were seeing this phantom horse and buggy Mm -hmm. traveling around town. Um, And, and, you know, maybe there was something to that story. But when this professor got involved, and he was interviewed, that's where Mm -hmm. I kind of went. Yeah, when he's when really, it turns out either he's just having fun with the story, Mm -hmm. or he made the whole thing up. Uh-huh. Uh, he he was just trying to make a point that if they didn't pave State Street at some point, that someone was going to drown in all the mud. Right. That turned out to be the point of his interview. Mm-hmm. So that's where I got a little skeptical about the whole thing. But it's a cool idea. Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's a creative. cool, you know, idea of this phantom buggy. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the phantom cars and things, you know, yeah. would come along. And I think that's think that kind of stuff's been around, been with us forever. But um, just the idea of this buggy like cruising around at night, though, that's uh-huh. pretty creepy. No, I love and they, it. they could see people inside, but nobody could see what they look like. This yes, is, that's a cool. It's a cool image. No, it is. Yeah, because I've I've thought I've heard about you know phantom hearses and black sure, cars sure. and stuff like that, yeah. but a phantom buggy, especially in all yeah. that'd be awesome. Yeah, I know, right? That'd be so cool. We should. Oh man, we should. We could recreate this sometime for a tour or something. We're yes, going to get a horse and make buggy. It silent, though. Well, that's the thing I was wondering. Well, first, like, we'd have to find a horse and buggy, which would not be well, easy. It would not. And then how would we make it so it didn't make any noise? Well, the, the yeah. thing I was thinking, I was like, did, did they just have a really like advanced buggy where they were used to be so loud that this one, they're like, oh, wow, it's actually and like well, good horseshoes. Well, what I, well, I was going to say, though, the horseshoes are going to make noise no matter yeah, what. Just You'd have to wrap on. the horse's hooves in like you know, burlap or yeah, something so something. that they didn't make so much noise. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We'll, we, we'll look into it. We'll see. If we, yeah. If we'll, I, we'll let you know how that works out. If we can make it financially viable. Yeah. We'll yeah. see what we yeah. can do. Uh, yeah. I got a good horse guy. So, uh, <laughs> okay. All right, then. Good. <laughs> we can good. Figure that out. All right. Good deal. Uh, that's all I got, man. This is a fun one. This is, yeah. um, I love, like you said, I love hearing more about Alton, um, especially love, a good uh good emo chick and uh you know and some don't like how maybe some of them got there i don't know but it's fun it's fun to think about it's fun to see and i only really knew about you know the the power mill powder mill road one um so this is nice to hear these new stories yeah, something different something different so all right well um i will say that if you are in the alton area and you're listening to this uh or you're anywhere in illinois or st louis or missouri and you uh, are excited to hear that the alton hunting stores tickets are going to go on sale august the 18th so that'll be coming up right after just a few days after this airs uh, those tickets are going to go on sale. Uh, we already have our dinner and spirits dinner bus tours that I do. Uh, those are already on sale, but all of the rest of the Alton Hauntings tickets will go on sale August 18th. Uh, we are updating. The stories will be all updated and new on this year's tour. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of new stuff, uh, some new stories, new locations, all kinds of stuff coming up this year. So uh, if, even if you've done it before in the past, uh, come come join us again. 
Uh, it's a lot of fun and uh, it's a good time. It's a good way to spend a nice fall evening. So anyway, we hope to see you there. Um, if you are interested in uh, any of our other stuff, like our, our Patreon show, uh, you can check that out at patreon.com slash American Hauntings. We are in the middle of our season on H.H. Holmes, the serial killer, uh, and all that assorted goodness that goes along with that. So, uh, but join us, take a look, and uh, we hope to see you at one of our Alton events sometime in the near future. Yeah, and if you're in Alton and you want to get my attention, just dress up as black and <laughs> stay on the side black of the road. Yeah. And wander around the street corners. Yeah. And Cody will find you. Eventually, so. yeah. <laughs> Eventually I'll find you. Um, this episode of the American Audience Podcast is written by Troy Taylor. It is produced and edited by me, Cody Beck. We hope you've enjoyed this Return to Alton podcast and will be with us as we present 10 episodes of the history, hauntings, legends, and lore from one of the most haunted small towns in America. Thanks for listening. We couldn't and definitely wouldn't do it without you. So until next time, goodbye. So long. See you later. See you later. Sweet. Nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah, short one of these were. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.